Hello, my name's Andrew Middleton and this is the Learning, Teaching and Assessment in Higher Education podcast from Sheffield Hallam University in the UK. There are several educational podcasting pilots underway at Sheffield Hallam this year. Most of these are using audio. However, in our Faculty of Health and Wellbeing, Carol Pollard is leading a video podcast initiative in nursing. Working with an external clinical expert, Andrew Jackson, Carol is creating a series of video podcasts to support a teaching and learning package related to the care of patients with cannula intravenous therapy. In the Closer Podcasting initiative that I am leading here, there are a few ground rules, but one is that the podcast will be produced either by academic staff or their students. This is because we believe podcasting can make a widespread impact and therefore for it to be sustainable, the users must become the producers. This applies to both staff and student users. Carol and Andrew accepted this challenge and, as we shall hear, have undertaken some video training at the university and they are now producing videos to support their clinical skills teaching. The idea was uh, the opportunity to develop a video podcast of a specific skill uh, using a lecturer and a clinical expert working together uh, and making it available for student nurses who may have the skill demonstrated to them once but may want to review it on a regular basis to, to enable them to develop the skill. That's my perception. I don't know about yourself, Andrew. I, I initially saw it as a uh, helping with that transition between clinical skills room and actual clinical practice and one of those little paving stones to take them on that journey. Because at the moment, I view the gap between practising in a clinical skills room, which is very safe, and actually going out in clinical practice, I view that gap quite large. Uh, I see things like video pod- podcasts being able to make them real and being able to smooth that transition. So how, before these video podcasts, would the students have developed these skills? Um, they would normally uh, attend a lecture, which Andrew would do, but that becomes more difficult as the group gets bigger and it's very difficult for them to come from practice. So there would be a lecture if we could arrange it and then there would be a demonstration and maybe the opportunity in a, in a classroom uh, facility for them to demonstrate the skills, but with large numbers of students that becomes more difficult to spend any time doing it. And then literally they would go out into a, a ward area where this is happening to a real patient and would be supervised by a nurse doing it with them, with no opportunity to review the skill at any point in time, really. How else is video or has video been used with these students? Um, To be honest, I don't think we have pre-recorded videos for certain sessions which match with a topic. I'm not aware of many skills-based ones that are around and often they're American and they don't fit with the context that we're working with or just have the specific skill that we want. So I don't think we've used it a great deal, to be honest. So what you were setting out to do here was to actually focus right in on quite specific skill techniques 
Very much. I mean, my background's intravenous therapy. Um, the kind of topics that we're looking at, we, uh, as Carol said, a lot of the uh, video out there is American, but we can make it quite relevant to today. Uh, for example, in our video, we've referenced Saving Lives, which is a Department of Health guidance on the care of vascular access devices, and that's very relevant. It's very 2007, and if it changes in 2008, 2009, we can revisit it. Uh, and that's what we like about it. It's that it's not a permanent media. We can actually revisit it and change it, because it's particularly in my area of expertise, it changes regularly. So, of course, you're both video experts now. <laughs> <laughs> but you weren't a few weeks ago. So what's happened? Because you're academics. You're not video technicians. So what's happened over the last few weeks? The, the process started by uh, uh, being introduced to somebody that was a, a video expert, a, a cameraman and, and yourself. And we attended a workshop where we were taught some sort of basic camera skills and then we did some filming with the supervision of a camera expert uh, who sort of assisted us with the process. And following that, then, we've gone through uh, producing a voiceover and then editing the film and the sound. Uh, and we've learnt a lot on the journey. We haven't reached expertise at the end of the journey, but there's such a huge potential now to develop the skills further. I think. What difference has it made to the actual video content that you've got control of the production process yourself? Uh, for me, I think it really begins with the grammar of television and being able to, to frame a shot and make a shot look interesting. Uh, for example, when we shot our video, we could have quite easily just picked a plain wall background, and I'm sure if we hadn't attended the workshop, that's exactly what would have happened. Uh, but now we were able to bring things in like the grammar of television and look at framing the shot, making the shot interesting. Uh, so f for me it was, it was issues such as those that have actually uh, we've benefited from that have made it very, very different. Um, at the beginning I didn't really want it to look too professional, I wanted it to look a little bit rough and ready and, and I'd say we've changed our attitude a little bit and we, we've actually, you want to make it look professional now. Yes, I remember the discussion um, that you know we we had a few weeks ago, and then probably I was convincing you that probably trying to help you become confident in this, but uh, suggesting that the rough and ready wasn't as important as the the content you were trying to communicate. Um, but you've actually, by the looks of it, become quite interested in in the whole video process. It, it, it's the impact of the finished product for me. Um, it, it can look, uh, and, and our finished product uh, does look a little amateurish at the moment, uh, but we we want to return to it. But I think it, there is a danger that it can look too amateurish. Uh, and I'm just so grateful for the opportunity uh, to look at issues like the grammar of television that we have been able to put a professional spin on it because it has made a, a big impact on the finished product. Right. One of the other things I remember was that we were talking then about possibly getting one or two students involved in the uh, video production as well. Did anything happen along those lines? Um, we Two students attended the workshop on the grammar of television with us uh, and they got hold of the camera and they became comfortable in front of the camera too. Uh, and then we quickly followed that up with sort of the ideas how we need to move it forward. 
the challenge we have is that these students are now in clinical practice and actually taking them out has been a challenge. However, we will continue because when we launch the um, podcast, we're not doing it in isolation. There is going to be a, a special launch with a lecture uh, to introduce it and we're going to take the cameras to that too and we're going to get the students sort of behind that camera and uh, Andrew wants a sort of a question and answer type thing again so we can get students involved with the camera so we're making steps towards that and we can see in the future that we can involve the students in other ways too so it's not worked out perfectly well because access to the students has been a bit of a challenge because the nursing students have got are on placement not just in the university so we can't just withdraw them easily so we've got to do more on that thing. The videos that you've more or less finished now Will they replace any teaching? I, I think initially definitely, uh, uh, there's always a place for the classroom, that face-to-face interaction and the kind of skills that uh, in particular I teach. Uh, however, it's the reinforcement of those skills because a lot of the skills that I teach, it, there's a, a repetitive nature to them. And uh, this will allow them to be introduced to a medium that is going to be able to allow them to repeat and repeat and repeat and I see it being there in the background when they're learning a practical skill I see it as a guide um, as they learn a particular skill it's almost like a visual procedure that they will be able to run through I think very much it's filled a gap because you have a lecture you have a demonstration and then you do it for real then you might not do that skill for a period of time and then you go back to it again and and there's books that will describe the skill to you but that's just not the same nursing's a practical based profession and therefore they need something visual I think for this skill so I actually think it's filling a gap I think it's part of blended learning it needs to be sort of the I think the lecture uh, followed by some sort of supervised practice which we're building in with the the videos there very much for the students to keep revisiting because they don't all learn the skill at the same pace and they're not all exposed to the skill at the same time so constantly having you know use it or lose it is is what they say about skills and and I think it will help the students confidence if they think oh next week I'm going to this placement I could use it I've not seen it I'll have a look and get myself ready. So I think it fills a gap, like which was your point mm-hmm. initially, wasn't it, Andrew? And I, and I think, uh, as we recognise, that there's almost an expectation that uh, you know, students expect video. They go on your YouTube's of the world and, and such like. So th- there is this expectation that is growing and growing. And uh, my children are just young at the moment, but I'm sure in ten years' time, when they hit a university, that you know video and such I will be very much normal in in nursing time yeah I don't know if you've thought about uh, this angle a bit but one of the uh, things that is often said about podcasting and vodcasting is that it's basically a mobile technology that people can actually take it with them have you had any thoughts about these students taking them into their clinical practice yeah, I, uh, oh clinical practice is an interesting I, I saw them as being uh, having the uh, the video cast showing in front of them as they were practicing the skill. I, I suppose I didn't actually think of them um, taking it as a as a reminder while they're in clinical practice. I, I, uh, I don't know how appropriate that would be. These nursing students actually spend a lot of their time 
out in the hospitals, don't they? Very, very much. 50% yeah. of the time. Whether I... I never thought of them having a portable device in the clinical area. I did think of them accessing the intranet and viewing it off the intranet, but uh, having a portable device in the clinical area is something that I've never really thought about. Right. That's exciting. It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll leave that one hanging up then. While you've been doing this, have you had any other ideas about how video might be used? Uh, I think we've seen, you know, we could talk to Ev and get very excited, but one of the ones for me, because of the practical based nature of medicine and, and, and nursing, is that we often do uh, practical exams. Um, and there's a, a person observing the technique all of the time, which can affect the student's performance. Um, so with this procedure, maybe students could video one another doing the skill. Uh, and it's almost like a peer support, but also for the external, that there is some sort of evidence there that the external can look at the process that's gone through and, and, and be able to externally it the same way in which they do a written paper. Is there anything else that you'd sort of like to share with others before we finish? I think I'd just like to encourage people to give it a go, really, uh, particularly if... Uh, if you are a novice, uh, you, it is something you can pick up very, very quickly. But I, uh, I can only emphasise a lot about the importance of having somebody there who is an expert. I know you called us experts at, at the beginning, and uh, slightly tongue-in-cheek, I hope, and that uh, there are real experts out there, and we've had a lot of help from those real experts. It's been very good. Brilliant. Carol, thank you. For me, again, doing the fil the camera workshop and the filming quickly afterwards and the editing, we put ourselves under pressure, mm -hmm. but that's make it made it happen. And I think we've got to reinforce it now, that now we've started, potentially we, we could do an awful lot more because you could, again, this is a, another skill, practical skill, mm -hmm. and, and again, we'd have to use it or we'd lose it. So I think we, we've got to find gaps where this then becomes a regular part of what we do. Excellent. Thank you both. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much to Carol Pollard and Andrew Jackson for agreeing to talk to me. If you would like to contact me about the podcast, then you can do so by emailing lta-podcast at shu.ac.uk or you can leave a voice message on the show notes website at http colon forward slash forward slash lta-podcast.blogspot.com Thank you for listening.